Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. I am excited about what God's doing in our ministry and in the world. There's a lot of good things going on. And uh, we want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and we want to continue with this that we've been on, moving into the plan and the purpose of God. Uh, fueled by prayer has been our subtopic. This, I believe, is the third part. And uh, the Lord said to me one time, uh, because there was a season in my life that I had committed to God to, to, uh, to increase prayer about some certain things. And the Lord said to me one time, He said, the enemy hates prayer. And He said, that's why he'll, he'll fight it, because he has no answer for it. And uh, hallelujah. So moving into the plan and the purpose of God, fueled by prayer, You'll remember we said this, that Brother Hagin said, you see, moving into that place of ministry or whatever it is, whether it's full-time ministry or pulpit ministry or personal ministry, whatever your place is in the body of Christ, moving into that place is fueled by prayer, fired by the Spirit and ignited with His glory. And he said, but you see, if there's no fuel there, there's nothing to ignite. Notice the Spirit said, fueled by prayer, fired by the Spirit and ignited with His glory. And so fueled by prayer, fired by the Spirit, ignited with His glory. So moving into all that God desires our churches to move into, our fellowship to move into, is fueled by prayer. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 11, the Apostle Paul writes the church at Corinth, and he writes to them and he says, You also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. So the Woos Bible says, Helping together by your supplication. The Revised Standard Version says, You must help us by prayer. And so Paul writes to this church at Corinth, and he says, here's what needs to happen. You need to help us by your prayers. In other words, you must help us by prayer. Paul understood that there were things that he needed to do that were not going to get done if there wasn't some help through the avenue of prayer, through the avenue of supplication. All right? There are things that God, there are things that God wants to do in every church body in America and in the world but he's limited in being able to do them for a lack of prayer. If, if the church will pray, God can open doors. All right? If, if you'll remember, uh, and I may have mentioned this the other week, but in the book of Acts, 
it says that, that, uh, that Herod reached out his hand and vexed certain of the church and he killed James, the brother of John, with the edge of the sword. And because he saw it please the people, it says that he brought Peter in and was going to kill him on Easter. All right? But it says this, prayer was made without ceasing for him to God. Now the indicator there in the language that's used is that prayer was not made unceasingly for James. But for Peter it was. And notice he was delivered. Well that didn't just happen. Something was made available. James was just as saved as Peter. He was just as important as Peter. But there was something different going on in the realm of the Spirit. So maybe they dropped the ball with James, but they got it right with Peter. But here's the question I've always asked about that. What did we lose when we lost James? What revelation did we lose? What never came into the earth because we lost him? See, there are things that God wants to pour out and that God wants a church to move into and wants a group to move into but if people aren't willing to do the heavy lifting in prayer, God can't do it. Because God needs somebody on the earth to pray. If you'll remember in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, a scripture that's often quoted, especially where sin and especially at this time of the year, it's quoted. But remember the context. Solomon is dedicating the temple. And he goes to God and Solomon initiated the conversation. 2 Chronicles 7, 14 was not God just saying that. Solomon initiated the conversation. He said, what do we do if the windows of heaven get shut up and there's no rain on our crops? What do we do if things aren't going the way they need to go? God said, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sins and heal their land. But notice what he said they need to do. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Why humble yourselves and pray? Because prayer very often is a lonely ordeal. It's something that you do when nobody sees it. There's no fanfare for a prayer. There's no fanfare for somebody that spends hours praying or prays on a regular basis. Nobody sees it. So it's, a, it's an act of humility to say, God, I'm going to pray and I'm going to seek your face. How can I help what you want to do in my church move forward? Amen. Amen. In Romans chapter 15. Romans 15. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And verse 30. The Apostle Paul said this. Now I beseech you, brethren. Now it's important that we stop and look at this word beseech because Paul's about to talk to them about praying for him. And he uses this word beseech. It's the same word that's used in Romans chapter 12. Now I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The word beseech is a word in the Greek that literally means to, to almost to beg. It carries the idea of a person on their knees pleading with someone to do something. So Paul, by the language that he uses here, he's writing to the church at Rome, a church that he's never seen personally. He's never seen them, them physically. He's never seen them face to face. But he's writing in this letter and he says, I beseech you, I plead with you, I beg you for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake 
and for the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Strive together with me. The Woos Bible says contend vigorously with me in your prayers. The Today's English version says join me in praying fervently with God to God for me. The Amplified Bible says wrestle with me in prayer. And so Paul writes this church and he says, look, here's what I'm begging you to do. Pray for me. E.M. Bounds, who was a great man of prayer, wrote in his book, The Power of a Praying Pastor. The chapter title was this, The Pastor's Cry, Pray for Me. And he made the statement, he said, a praying church is a church that is ripe for the preaching of the gospel. Because that church is praying. All right, And so Paul writes this church at Rome, and notice how he talks about prayer. He says, it's going to take vigorous contention. I need you to wrestle with me in prayer. Why? Because what I've got to do is going to take all of our prayer effort in order to get it done. In other words, I need you to bring me your supply. I need you to bring me your supply. There are people that go to churches week in and week out, And they go and they enjoy the service, but they never really receive anything. And the reason they never really receive anything is they never pray for their pastor. A church that won't pray for their pastor won't receive from their pastor. And so nobody can... Brother Hagin said this. He said, no pastor, no apostle, no prophet, no minister of the gospel can move any church any further than they want to go. Amen. And so I've run into pastor friends of mine. I don't have this problem, thank the Lord. But I've run into pastor friends of mine. They would say, I just don't think I'm getting through to my people. It wasn't that they weren't good preachers. It wasn't that they weren't anointed. It's that the church wasn't bringing their supply through prayer. Amen. When you make up your mind and you're coming on Wednesday night or Sunday morning or Sunday evening, whenever you come to church, and your prayer is not just, you know, Lord, bless me, but your prayer is, Lord, I believe I'm going to receive tonight exactly what I need to hear. I believe I'm going to receive wisdom from heaven. Revelation knowledge is going to flow into my spirit in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that the words, the utterance would be there and it would be wide open that the windows of heaven would be open over me tonight spiritually. And what will happen? You'll come to church and you'll receive because you're striving vigorously and wrestling in prayer. To what? To receive. When I was a boy growing up, uh, we would have prayer before every service. And the reason was, was the pastor didn't want people just to come in from their day, having given all their day to the things of, 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 of the flesh. And, and you got to work and you got to do those things and I understand. But here's what happens so often with people is they work all day and they rush home and they rush to get dinner ready. They rush to clean up. They, they rush to eat. They rush to, then they rush to church and they kind of get to church and then they get inside the building and it's kind of like, I made it. And we've all been there. Listen, I've been there. Right? But here's the thing. If on the way, if I'm not doing something to stir myself up and and bring a supply, then I I sort of just show up without having contended for anything to receive anything. Amen? Look at Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. Prayer makes room for the supernatural. And 
A great woman of God, great woman of prayer, Fern Halverson, she made a statement and she said, it's said that we now live in the information and knowledge age and that great insight into the natural and scientific realms have been made. She said this though, but that has nothing to do with supernatural knowledge. Only the Holy Spirit can transmit the supernatural. All right? Only the Holy Spirit can transmit the supernatural. The way that a move of God is continued or strengthened comes the same way it's always come. There's no new way to do it. It comes through prayer and seeking God. It comes through praying and moving in the direction that God wants to go. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. The Apostle Paul writing, he says, Praying always with all prayer or all different kinds of prayer, all kinds of spiritual prayer. There are at least seven different kinds of prayer in the New Testament. And we won't get into those tonight, but there's the prayer of petition, the prayer of supplication, the prayer of faith, the prayer of commitment, the prayer of consecration, the prayer of praise and worship. They're all listed in the Scripture. And so when Paul says praying always with all prayer, it's literally all kinds of prayer. So when I'm praying, I'm not just going to pray one way. I'm not just going to always intercede or supplicate or pray the prayer of faith or I'm going to pray different kinds of prayer. But notice, he says, and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And then he says this, and for me, that utterance may be given that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So he says, pray for all saints with all kinds of prayer. But then he says, and for me, here's what I want you to specifically pray. That utterance would be given to me that I might open my mouth boldly and declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. The mystery of the gospel. So Paul says, here's what I need you to do. I need to be able to open my mouth boldly and share the mystery of the gospel with the people that I'm going to. And as you're praying with all different kinds of prayer for all saints, I need you to pray this way for me. Why? Because there's something that needs to be said. This mystery of the gospel needs to be imparted into the people that I'm preaching to, and I need your prayers to help me do it. I need your prayers to help me do it. Amen. Hallelujah. So pray for all saints and pray for me that utterance may be given. E.M. Bound said a praying church creates a spiritual atmosphere most favorable to preaching. A praying church creates a favorable ap- uh, an atmosphere most favorable to preaching. Hallelujah. Utterance is greatly affected by the hearer, specifically by the prayers of the hearers. That's how you bring your supply. And, and we're going to look at that more in a moment. But that's how you bring your supply. It's not just affected by are you listening while you're in church. It's what have you done to prepare yourself before you got there. Because that's how I bring a supply. When uh, Pastor Michelle and I, when the Lord dealt with us some years ago, and it's been a few years ago now, to travel with our pastors, and, 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 and we have done that, not so much this year, but uh, obviously. But the point is, is we understood right away that we're not just going to help physically. we got to bring a supply Amen. when we go. And so our prayer is not just, Lord, help us 
hear what our pastor's saying. Our prayer is help us to be a help, help us to be a supply. We don't ever want to be a weight and a burden. I told my wife when we started traveling, we can't ever be a weight and a burden. We got, we've got to be the people that are bringing the supply. Why is that so important? Because everyone needs to hear what they need to hear. And in any given sermon, you can hear something totally different than the person next to you is hearing. Something can be ministered to you that nobody else is hearing but you. But that's going to be dependent on, did I bring my supply? Amen. Amen. That's how you bring your supply. When a body's praying that the pastor's given utterance, they, chain, they charge the atmosphere for revelation to flow. When a body is praying for utterance to be given, they charge the atmosphere for revelation to flow. In other words, they stock the shelves. Amen. Because a person that prays for their pastor will always receive from their pastor. Because there's a supply there to receive from. Amen. So we see the responsibility of the believer here in prayer. Number one, pray for each other. Pray for each other. Pray for each other. In the church body, pray for each other. I've talked to people before, and, 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 and you know, sometimes people are well-meaning, and they'll say, oh, that guy, he's just, you know, he's immature. I don't know what's wrong with him. I don't know when he's ever going to get it. You know there's no scripture that says that's okay? As a matter of fact, the Bible says in the book of Galatians, what does it say? You that are strong, bear the infirmities of the weak. How do you bear the infirmities of the weak? You pray for them. So if you see somebody that needs to grow and somebody that needs to mature, then you begin to pray for them and you begin to stock the shelves for them to hear. Father, I thank you for so-and-so. I thank you, Father, that they love you with all of their heart. Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus that you would give unto them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God, that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that they would know that they are a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Father, that they can be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And you're stocking the shelves for them to be able to grow. So notice he says that you pray for one another. You pray for all saints. And then he said, you pray for the men and women that God has placed over you. Look at Hebrews 13. Hallelujah. You know, I learned a long time ago, and, and, and I have to be careful with this because with anything that you're teaching, people can, can take it and, and, and maybe go to an extreme with it. Uh, but uh, the Lord told me, of course, I've talked about the three things that the Lord said to me early on in my ministry that had to be in, in my life. He said, you had to be able to hear from the Holy Spirit uh, directly, hear from God directly in your own spirit. You had to be intimate with the Holy Spirit. You had to be a man of prayer. That's what he said. And so uh, the, the point is, when I say that, is that, you know, everything, I don't just, uh, if someone tells me they believe God said something for me to do, well, I've never put more stock in what somebody said God said I should do than in what I know God told me to do. That's important. And hallelujah. Even when somebody comes and they say, well, God brought me to this church. Why pray and ask God if he brought them to this church? 
Yeah, but they said God told them. That, that, that doesn't matter. Did God bring them? I want to know. Why? Because over the years, there were people that said God brought them, and it was a God, but it was the God of this world. <laughs> right? And, and if we hadn't prayed, we'd have got stuck. Amen. We can help anybody that wants help. But you understand? What I'm trying to say to you is this, is that, that, that you've got to be careful with what people say that God said you should do, and you've got to be hearing from God directly through your own spirit. God will give you a word of wisdom. God will give you a word of knowledge. God will give you a prophecy and utterance, and those are all valid, and we should listen to them. But at the same time, you know, someone will call and they'll say, well, this is what I think that you should do. Well, you need to take that to prayer. God, is that right? When, when, when I told a very trusted man that God had, had dealt with me to move to Little Rock, he disagreed with it completely. I've known this man for over a quarter of a century. Very trusted advisor in my life. But immediately, he disagreed with me and basically told me I shouldn't do it. Well, I didn't let what he said override what I knew God said. Did I pray about it? I prayed about it in this sense. Lord, am I missing something? I don't want to miss anything. But I knew what the Lord had said. Amen. Look at Hebrews 13. Did you find that? In verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you. The center column reference is obey them that guide you. And submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable to you. Now, I've heard people over the years say, see there, see there, all you pastors, you're going to give an account for how you pastor. Uh-huh, we are. And we're also going to give an account for how you listened. That's important. So not only am I going to stand before God for what I preached and how I treated you, I'm going to stand before God and, 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 and tell God how good or bad you were or how easy or hard you were to pastor. Just thought I'd put that in there. Y'all are all easy keepers, though. And that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that's unprofitable for you. Notice the next phrase in verse 18. Pray for us. Pray for us. For we trust we have a good conscience and all things willing to live honestly. So the writer of Hebrews, I believe it was Paul. We don't have any biblical proof of that, but that's what I believe. But the writer of Hebrews, nonetheless, says, Submit to them who have authority over you, notice, and pray for them. And pray for them. Leaders will give an account for the sheep. So pray for them and the decisions they make. Notice, he says, pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things willing to live honestly. Notice that the writer says, pray that that's how we'll think. Pray that that's how we'll feel about things. Amen. When, when, when you pray for people, when you pray for leaders, when, and we'll talk about that more in a moment, you pray for the leaders of your church. Those are the things you need to be praying. Father, thank you that they stand fast in integrity. Thank you that they stand fast in character. Thank you that they do not bring a reproach on the gospel. Not because you think they will, but because you want them to have access to that. Amen. You want them to have access to that. 
When, 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 remember, well, I'm not going to get into that. When I pray for the leaders in my life, I pray that they would be strong in the spirit. I pray that they would be strong in character, strong in integrity, strong in honor, that they would honor their word, that they would do what they say, that nothing would come out of their mouth that is vainglorious, nothing would come out of their mouth that's for personal gain, that they would minister the word of God, as Paul said, without any intention of receiving anything personally from it. Amen. Amen. It's important. That's important. When, 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 you, when you preach the gospel that we preach, which is the word of faith, when you preach that gospel, integrity has to accompany it. Amen. Amen. Do you see this? Look at Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. Oh, hallelujah. Fueled by prayer. Fueled by prayer. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 12. It says, Ephaphras, who is one of you. Now remember, Ephaphras was a very faithful man. He's the one that sought Paul out in Rome and ministered to him. All right? When everybody else abandoned Paul, he sought him out and he said, he wasn't ashamed of my chain. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He prayed for Paul. And notice it says, who is one of you, a servant of Christ. Now stop right there and notice, not a pastor. Not a prophet, not an apostle that we know of, a servant of Christ. And notice what he does. He salutes you always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Jerusalem Bible says he never stops battling for you, praying that you will never lapse but always hold perfectly and securely to the will of God. The Phillips translation says, He prays constantly and earnestly for you that you may become mature Christians and fulfill all of God's will for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So notice, here's this companion of Paul, a helper of Paul, and Paul says, He's always battling for you. Praying what? That you will never lapse but hold perfectly and securely to the will of God. He was constantly praying that the church at Colossae would be mature and fulfill the plan and will of God for their lives. And he wasn't a pastor. He wasn't an apostle over them, just just a co-laborer. And he took this church to heart and he said, here's what I want is for them to stand in the fullness of the plan of God for their life. And he labored and battled, how often? Constantly for them. Hallelujah. What would happen in a church body if the members labored constantly in prayer for each other? Labored constantly. Oh, we got a very strong church. But labored constantly for each other. What would happen? Not only would the Spirit of God go up another level, the strength in the body would increase. The gifts in your life would increase. Because in order to stand in the perfect plan of God for your life, the giftings in your life need to come to full maturity. And God will bring you to a place. Listen, God will bring you to a place. I've told people before, I don't need anybody else to help me preach. I got it. I got it covered. Me and my wife got it covered. It's not that other people can't preach. We do have other people preach. 
But here's the thing. God will bring people to a church where they're not after your gift. I'm not after anybody's gift. I'm not after your gift. I'm not after your gift of prophecy. I'm not after your gift of preaching. I want you to stand in the fullness and the completeness of the plan of God for your life, whatever that is. And if I have a hand in helping you do that, that's great. But that's my goal. That's my plan. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. That's my desire. Yes, sir. And, 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 and as you have somebody that prays for you along those lines, Father, I want Brother Billy to stand in the perfect plan of God for his life, whatever that is, Lord. If it's to minister, if it's to do whatever, I want him to stand in the perfection of it and that he would mature to fulfill the plan of God for his life. In whatever area. Amen. There was a minister one time that sat with a a young man, a young minister. And uh, he told him, he said, you're probably the most anointed uh, uh, minister that I have. He said, you know the word better than anybody else. You expound the word better than anybody else. And he said, but uh, I can't use you because you're full of pride. And that was a turning point for that young man. He He had arrived in a body that they weren't about prostituting his gift with no spiritual growth. Do you see what that, how important that is? And so God will bring you a place where the, the goal and the desire is that you grow and you fulfill everything God wants you to do with your life. And that you stand in the perfection of it. That you stand in the perfection of it. Amen. And, 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 and that's why when you see, oh, Lord, help me with this. When, when you see people, of, well, let me use an example. There was a lady that came to uh, the church in DeSoto about four years ago. It was, it was before the election in, what would that be, 2016. And, uh, uh, you know, she had a very spiritual air about her. But every time I would go to prayer, I just could not get anything settled about her. And, you know, well, what I began to see was she would go somewhere and stay for a few months and then leave. And then go somewhere else and stay for a few months and leave. Well, here was the thing. I found this out. Whenever pressure was put on her to grow or to mature, take off. Right? Well, she came to me with a a word that was not God. And I just let her know that's not God. I I don't mean that ugly. If you come to me and you say, well, this is a word from the Lord for you. And you say something to me and it's not God. I'm just going to tell you, well, I don't believe that's God. Right? And, you know, I would say, now, you're trying to hear from God. So so go pray some more and, and keep hearing. Amen. Well, when I, started, when I started putting the pressure to grow, it's time to leave. She went across town to a friend of, mine, friend of mine's church. Well, you know, they're going to put pressure on you to grow too. Anybody at any level of spiritual maturity can say things that they say are from God. But if you ever want to mature in your ability to hear from God and to walk those things out, you've got to stay long enough for the plan and the purpose of God to be worked out in your life. Amen. 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 
Hallelujah. Do you see this? So in doing so, Ephaphras was making spiritual power and ability available to these believers. You can make spiritual power and ability available to people by stocking the shelves with your prayers. Notice in James 5, James chapter 5. The Bible has a lot to say about this. Because very often when people think about prayer, prayer by its simplest definition is this, it's communication with God in its simplest definition. But because prayer is something that makes tremendous power available, well, who does it make that power available for? The person that's being prayed for. So it is communication with God, but it's also stocking the shelves. It's putting things in place so that that person will have access to what I'm praying. James 5 and 16. Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Uh, the Amplified Bible says, makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Makes tremendous power available. Well, for who? The one being prayed for. So the power is made available to the person being prayed for. So I can make this power available through prayer. Hallelujah. You know, very often I've got, I've got to ascertain something. Like, for instance, if you're believing for unsaved children or unsaved loved ones, it is right and completely acceptable to claim the promises of God. Great is the peace of my children. My children have perfect peace, nothing missing, nothing broken. That is where you start. I nail down the promises of God for my family. I've got page after page for my family. My favorite scriptures, you will contend with them that contend with me and you will save my children. All right? I love that scripture. But here's the thing. I don't stop there. Because a lot of people say, well, that's my promise. I got it. That's it. In the name of Jesus, I believe I receive it. Now you've got to stock the shelves. Now you've got to stock the shelves. Father, I thank you that your word says you'll contend with them that contend with me and that you'll save my children. So in the name of Jesus, I bind any mind-blinding influence off of my children in the name of Jesus. The God of this world will not blind them. Satan, I take my position of authority as their parent and I tell you that you will not have any say in their life in the name of Jesus. Ministering spirits, I loose you to go and set events in motion whereby my children will hear the gospel and turn their life to Jesus Christ. So I've, I've got the promise, but now I'm stocking the shelves. Father, if they send someone into their lives that they honor and respect. Send someone into their life that they will listen to. Whoever it is, Lord, I don't care who it is. Send them into their life. Why? Because you said in your word, pray the Father that he would send laborers into his harvest. Father, send laborers into my daughter's life. Send laborers into my son's life. At, the, at McDonald's, at the store, at their job. What am I doing? I'm stocking the shelves. Stocking the shelves. I'm making that tremendous power of salvation available. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what happened to you. Some people say, well, my mama prayed me into the kingdom. She stocked the shelves. She prayed, she prayed and stocked the shelves. 
and at the right time when you was when you were hungry enough, you reached out and grabbed it. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, that's so good. Amen. Hallelujah. So, so I'm stocking those shelves. Amen. You know, you know, very often, uh, 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 Brother Phil Halverson, who is a great man of prayer, powerful man of prayer. Uh, he's in heaven today, him and his wife. But he was praying one day. And as he was praying in the spirit, he actually woke his wife up. He was praying in the spirit and, and he would be praying in tongues. And then in English, uh, it would just it would be a name. Donald Oman, Donald Oman. And finally, in English, he said, Donald Oman, you will live and not die. Rise up and fulfill the plan of God for your life. Well, he didn't know any Donald Oman. Two weeks later or so, they were in a church that they had never been in. And they were sitting there, and they passed out the prayer request card with the names to pray for. And on the name, on the list was Donald Oman. And they said, well, who is this Donald Oman? And the man said, well, his, his mother-in-law is over here. And they went over. This man was a missionary to Lebanon. And he ran an orphanage in Lebanon, and he died. And in, in, in those days, uh, they took you immediately there to be cremated. And so they had wrapped him up. They were taking him to be cremated. And his wife was, 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 was praying for the Lord to help her at the same time that Philip Halverson was praying. And in America, there in Lebanon, dead, and in America, he says, Donald Oman, rise up on your feet and fulfill the plan of God for your life. Amen. What happened? He came to life. And two years later, they preached in his church. Amen. Hallelujah. See, that's stocking the shelf. Someone had to make that power available. Somebody had to hear from God and get up in the middle of the night and pray in the Spirit and make that power available. See, prayer is not just a religious activity. In many cases, it's the difference between life and death. It, it matters if we're praying or not. See, it's fueled by prayer. Did God want to save that young man and raise him from the dead? Yes, He did. He wanted to. But evidently, nobody there was asking for it. Nobody there was stocking the shelf. So He went to Minnesota and found a little Norwegian man that would get out of bed and pray and stock the shelves. And God raised the man from the dead. Because He needed somebody to give that command in the Spirit. You get up and you fulfill the plan of God for your life. Amen. Stocking the shelves. Oh, glory. And, and, and sometimes it'll just be a burden. You don't know why you're praying for that person or who you're even praying for. Amen. The, the good ones, Brother J.R. and Sister Goodwin, one night they got off to bed after Sunday night service and, and she couldn't go to sleep and she was just groaning in the spirit and kept waking him up. And finally, uh, they prayed, and she said, I just feel like some of our people are in trouble. They're in danger. And they had some people on vacation. Make a long story short, they prayed. They interceded for them, and she still couldn't get any rest. So about 4 o'clock in the morning, they, they, or a little before 4, they got up, and they were praying. And uh, Brother Goodwin, finally, he said, well, let's just do this. Let's agree that whoever it is, God will deal with them. Ever how he's got to, through a dream or through a word or however, and, and, and that they'll be protected. And she said, okay. And they did that and she got some peace. And they, about 4 o'clock in the morning, they went to bed. Well, about 10 o'clock the next morning, 
a man knocked on their door. Well, they're still in bed. They hadn't gotten in bed till 4 o'clock. So they're still in bed. They got up and went to the door. And there's a young man there, one of their Sunday school teachers. He worked in the oil, on the oil rig there in the oil fields. And he said this. He started off the story by saying this. He said, uh, around 4 o'clock. Now, remember when they agreed? Around 4 o'clock in the morning, I had a dream. And he said, I dreamed that I went to work today. And they told me that the guy that works the top of the rig had called in and wasn't going to be there, and they needed me to go up. He said, in the dream, I saw myself go up, and they were pulling the pipe, and that cable broke, and it cut my head off. And he said, I went to work today, and he said, I got there, and they said, the guy that usually works that job is not going to be here. I need you to go to the top. And he said, I got on the ladder and went about halfway up, and I said, no, no, I'm not going to do it. And he said, I came back down. They said, why? And I told them what I'd seen. There was another guy standing there who was born again, saved, Baptist man, loved the Lord. He said, I'm not superstitious. I'll go up. And he went up. About 10 minutes into the job, that cable broke, cut his head off. Matter of fact, his head hit the man that, that had, not, had refused to go up, hit him in the back. Now, people will instantly say, well, why did, why did one man who was born again and loved the Lord, why did he die? Nobody had stocked the shelves. Somebody had stocked the shelves for that other man. He had information that that other man didn't have. God had dealt with him. God had spoke to him. But what if nobody had prayed? What if they would have just shook that off and said, oh, well, you know, I'm just, I'm going to go to sleep. Now, I've, I've been guilty of that, unfortunately. Amen. But they stocked the shelves. Look at 1 Timothy 2. 1 Timothy 2. Hallelujah. Am I helping you? Well, when are they going to change? That's not your job. Just keep stocking the shelf. Keep stocking the shelf. Amen. You know, my, my job, my job as a husband, my job as a father, my job as a provider is make sure the shelves are full. Right? That's, that's why we take mama shopping because we pay and she shops. Amen. Right? Just what do we need? We make out a list. What do we need? That's what your prayer list is. What needs to be on the shelves? What does Jimmy need to hear? What does Susie need to hear? What, what, what's going on in their life? Amen. We can spend so much time, Lord, save them, Lord, touch them, Lord, heal them, that I'm not stocking the shelves. Who are they going to listen to? Who will they listen to? Maybe they won't listen to me. Father, put them in contact with someone. Amen. 1 Timothy 2, 1, I exhort therefore, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, kings, and all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So notice, we are to pray with all kinds of spiritual prayer for, number one, all men, all men, fellow believers, mankind, the world, then kings. And all that are in authority. So kings would be presidents, leaders, governors, all that are in authority. Now, I'm not so much focused on, on praying for governmental leaders, although we do that. It's, here's what I want to get to. When you pray this kind of prayer, the result is that you make the power, wisdom, and ability of God available to these people. You make it available to them. 
Amen. When, when you pray, for instance, the Lord has had me for probably, I would say going on two months now, praying this. And, and he told me to pray this. He said, pray that the, the sword of the tongue of deceit would be dulled. And pray that the tongue of the lip of truth would be sharpened. And I've just been praying that. Just every time I'll pray in the Holy Ghost and I'll just pray that. It's interesting to me. In the last week, two major news stories have broke that said articles that were written about our president were false and falsified. Now, I'm not the only one praying that. There are other people praying it too, I'm sure. But here's the thing. What does that do? That stocks the shelves. When you pray for your president, you need to pray, Father, show him the path of reversal for every wicked decision. Show him the path of reversal. Show him how to reverse it. Why? I'm stocking the shelves for him. People say, I've never, I've heard people say this. I've never seen a guy that seems like there's such a change in. There's a lot of people praying for him. They're stocking the shelves. Amen. Here's what you do. When you pray the word of God over people, you bind the word of God to them. When you pray the word of God over your leaders, you bind the word to them. You make that word available to them. That's what's so important about praying and stocking the shelves. Is you bind, they become, they become bound to the word. In uh, Ephesians 1. And so when, when you pray for your children, you're binding the word of God to them. And, and, and then the word of God is on them. It's following them. Hallelujah. Because you're praying, my descendants will be blessed. The same promise that God gave Abraham, he gave me. My descendants will be great in the land. Right? I'm doing, I did what Abraham did, God. I've taught my children right. I led them in the ways of truth. I, they have a covenant with God, right? Peter preached in the book of Acts. He said, the promise is unto you and then to your children. So the promise is to me first. What's the promise? That all my seed will be saved. That's the promise that's unto me. Now, I can't just take the promise and say, well, I got a promise. I've got to take action and stock the shelves. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you see this? And, and, and it works in every area. In every area. In Ephesians 1. Oh, glory. And this is a very familiar passage concerning prayer. I'm going to uh, move through it as quickly as I can. But notice, Paul says in verse 16, notice he's, he's talking about prayer. I make mention of you in my prayers. Now notice, he's praying what he wants to happen. And he prays this, here's what I'm praying for you, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. That the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you would know what is the hope of His calling and the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, that you would know the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, 
which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality, might, power, dominion, and every name that's named, not only in this world, but in that which is to come, and has put all things under his feet and given him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So Paul says, this is what I'm praying for you. Amen. So, 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 so just by way of example, when I get up in the morning and I start praying, the first thing I do is I go to the Father and I say, Now, Father, I'm coming to you in faith and I thank you that for the authority that has been worked in me through the blood of Jesus, the authority that's been given to me in Jesus' name. And then I take authority over the enemy. I say, And Satan, I speak to you and I tell you that I'm off limits. And I plead the blood over my spirit, my soul, and my body. My mind's off limits. My body's off limits. My spirit is off limits. You have no authority in my life. You have no working capital in my life. Amen. And then I start with my family and I name them. And Satan, Michelle Steele is off limits to you. Jessica Cosby's off limits to you. Gene Cosby, Rebecca Cosby, Griffin Wayne Cosby, Harrison Eugene Cosby, they're off limits to you. Philip Israel Steele's off limits to you. Laura Steele's off limits to you. Philip James is off limits to you. Name all my children, they're off limits to you. You have no working capital in their life. You will not blind their minds and you will not cause them to fall prey to your schemes in the name of Jesus. Amen. Do, do, do you see this? And then I come over here and I pray this prayer. I have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. My eyes are enlightened that I know what is the hope of His calling. I thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. I realize the working of His mighty power in my life today. Hallelujah. Then in Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14, Paul again is praying and he says, For this cause I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family is in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, being rooted and grounded in love, that you would comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and you know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. He's praying that for the church. That verse 19 in the Living Bible, it says that you might understand that you're a body wholly filled and flooded with God Himself. And so when I pray for you and I pray for the church, I don't just pray that you'd be protected and that God would meet your needs. I start right there. And I say, Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that my church, my church is rooted and grounded in love. I thank you that they are filled with the fullness of God. They are a body wholly filled and flooded with God Himself. When I pray for your marriages, I don't just pray that your marriages would be blessed. I say, Father, I thank you that the husbands in my church love their wives as Christ loves the church and gives themselves for them. I thank you, Father, that their wives are 1 Corinthians 13 minded, that they walk in love, that they love one another as brothers and sisters first so they can properly love each other as husbands and wives. Because I'm a brother in the Lord to my wife before I'm a husband. 
The most important relationship is our spiritual relationship. The physical is secondary. So I love her as Christ loves the church. But in reality, according to Scripture, Ephesians 5, Paul said, I speak a great mystery. He said, because I speak concerning Christ and the church. That's how we're to treat each other. Amen. What are we doing? Stocking the shelves. So every husband in here can love your wife as Christ loves the church because the, stocks are, the, the shelves are stocked. Amen. Oh, let me hurry. Praise God. So my point is, is when you pray this for yourself and your family, here's what happens. You're opening the door for the operation of these things in their lives. Amen. Uh, Luke 22. Luke 22. Oh, thank you, Lord. And here's the thing, I've talked to people and they say, well, I don't have a lot of time to pray. Well, you saw how long it took me to pray that. It doesn't take long to pray it. There's no time limit on how you can exercise your authority. Now, God may have you pray longer or shorter, depending on what time you have. Amen. But here's the point, is that we're stocking the shelves. (laughs) Luke 22, verse 31 And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Uh, But I prayed for you. What have I prayed for you? That your faith fails not. And that when you're converted, you'd strengthen the brethren. Jesus tells us what he prayed for him. So before he ever denied him, Jesus had the the shelves stocked so Peter's faith wouldn't fail. So Peter coming back to Jesus and repenting, And repenting of denying him and repenting of running, that didn't just happen. The shelves were stocked. He had access to something. Mm Mm-hmm. Amen. Do do you see that? I've run into people before that had a call of God on their life, and they walked away from the things of God or walked away from God, and they came back. They didn't just come back. Somebody had stocked the shelves. Somebody had prayed for them and said, I want you to remind them what they're called to do. Amen. So notice this is what the devil desires. He wants to sift you. uh, But I prayed for you so your faith doesn't fail. He didn't stop the attack, but he provided the resources necessary for people, Peter, to overcome through prayer. So there there are things that people are going to go through that I can't stop them necessarily, but I can stock the shelves through prayer and provide the resources for them to come out. Let me finish with this. Luke chapter 11. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I believe God. And so, 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 so I can make this tremendous power available. Well, my child, my grandchild, my, my whoever, they need to be delivered from drugs. Well, we understand that, 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 that we declare that the anointing removes the burden and destroys the yoke. But now, Father, I thank you for sending people into their life that are going to minister to them. I thank you, Father, for having people in their life that care about them and that will reach down to them. Father, whatever it may be, open up a door to rehab. Open up a door to a service. Whatever it may be, Father, I thank you, thank you. that whatever it takes, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna reach it. Amen. 
in uh, Luke chapter 11, <laughs> verse 5, And he, Jesus, said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend that goes to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within will say, Trouble me not, the door is shut, my children are with me in bed, I can't rise to give you. I say unto you, Though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say to you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. Everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Jesus uses this word importunity. The word importunity basically means impudence. I-M-P-U-D-E-N-C-E, impudence. It's the word that's used in Proverbs chapter 7 for uh, uh, the, the, the harlot woman, the, way, the adulterous woman. And if you read Proverbs chapter 7, it says she comes and she takes that young man and with impudent face, impudent face, all right? You, you may have heard somebody say about somebody, uh, uh, a man or a woman, boy, that person's got a lot of brass, right? That's what that means. It, this woman was shameless. She's out in public. People know she's married. And she's shameless in bringing this young man to her home. All right? It's the same phrase, it's the same word when Jesus uses the word importunity. The Amplified Bible says shameless persistence and insistence. That's what the word means, to be impudent, to be shamelessly persistent. And Jesus says, notice, this man is not going to get out of bed because this guy's his friend, but he will get out of bed because this guy is shamelessly persistent. He don't care what anybody thinks. Get up, I need some food, I need you to give me something. Yeah, but I'm in bed and, and my kids are with me. I need some bread. Somebody has come from a long journey. I don't have anything to give them. Get up and help me. Amen. That, that, and Jesus said, that's how we got to pray sometimes. Shamelessly persistent. You are going to save my children. You are going to turn this thing around in the name of Jesus. I will not stop praying until you change it. You are going to change this. Charles Finney used to tell the Lord, he'd say, I would come to, to some alarming seasons of prayer where the boldness that came out of me, he said, it alarmed me because he said, I would go to God and I would say, I'm here with your word. I'm here with your promises and you do not think I'm going to be denied. I'm not going to be denied because I have your word on it. Hallelujah. And Jesus said that's how you ask, how you seek, and how you knock. Shamelessly persistent. Amen. And as a matter of fact, in the Greek, those words are all active. They're all ongoing. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. 
And sometimes people say, well, if I'm in faith, why do I want to keep on asking and keep on seeking? Listen, it's different kinds of prayer. When you pray the prayer of faith and you believe you have received your healing, you never ask God for healing again. You thank Him and praise Him for it. You've already received it. Is that right? But there, there are things that need to change. And, and, when they're, and, and, and when you're praying about them and you're declaring the Word of God over them, you are shamelessly persistent. I'm not backing up. The Old Testament gives us a shadow and a type of it. When, when uh, Jacob was going to meet his brother Esau and he'd sent all of his family ahead of him and it says that in the night the angel of the Lord came, Jesus came, amen, to bless him. Hallelujah. And the Bible says they wrestled until daybreak. And, and, and Jesus said, let me go. It's daybreak. You got to let me go. And Jacob said, I'm not letting go till you bless me. Shamelessly persistent. Amen. Shamelessly persistent. And what did the Lord Jesus say? He said, okay. Touched him in the hollow of his thigh, in his hip bone. And then he said, you've been called Jacob, supplanter. But you're going to be called Israel because you found favor with God. Why? Because you didn't give up. The people that receive are the people that just don't give up. If you are shamelessly persistent, Amen. Every person under the sound of my voice, you got to see yourself as a prayer. Whether you're a man or a woman, you got to see yourself as a prayer. Praying is not the woman's job. It's not our mother's job or our wife's job. As a man of God, I've got to see myself as someone that when I hit my knees in the morning, the devil starts drinking Maalox saying, my God, he's praying again, and there's nothing I can do about it. Amen. Do, 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 do you see that? Yes, sir. And so your prayers are changing things right now. And when you prayed for your family this morning, they are now one step closer to walking in the plan of God for their life. Why? Because you prayed for them. Hallelujah. Do you believe that? Let's stand up tonight. Praise the Lord. I hope you receive something tonight.